thankful for each and every one of you that can join us this afternoon to look into God's living word, to worship together, to build each other up, and to face this new year together, and that we can be prepared. Uh, before we look into his living word, we just want to give an opportunity. If there are any greetings to the church, any announcements, now would be the time. Thank you. So the area sing is this afternoon at 5 o'clock, potluck, followed by inspiration hour, and a number of uh, are going, and uh, please do extend our greetings there. <clears throat> oh, there's no potluck. Okay. All right. My mistake. So straight. Uh, what time is it, sir? Seven. Seven. Thank you. <clears throat> There's uh, no other announcements. Um, some of the announcements uh, from this morning, we have um, our collection is for the uh, river ministry in the in uh, tributary of the Amazon, um, the Hope Ministries. Uh, this week on Wednesday, we are gonna resume our study of the life of Christ. Uh, the funeral services now uh, for our elder brother Mike Polanaki um, will be this Friday. There'll be visitation on Friday night and um, and on Saturday at 10 a.m. And the service will be Saturday then immediately following at 11 a.m. Ancaster's, that's next week, is area sing, right? Oh, it's this week. So tonight, Ancaster's 7 p.m. Okay, yeah, a little bit slow, I apologize. That's area saying not family night. That's what that's what I got confused. Okay, and uh, our choir had to be moved um, because we didn't want to conflict with the, the funeral services. So it's moved to the February fourth, fifth weekend, and then the members meeting is also then moved to February twenty fifth at seven p.m. So you can mark your calendars. <clears throat> we'll be having uh, our our annual meeting there. Yeah, some other announcements we had, some greetings we had from Edwin and Elizabeth. We're very thankful that uh, for the church's prayers that her vision is coming back. It's, it was not expected, so that's praise to God. Um, also about Sister Lena not unfortunately being able to have visitors, and if we can remember her as well as her nephew Derek, who's currently in the hospital with low blood pressure. <clears throat> Before we turn to God's living word, let's invite him into our midst. Heavenly Father, we are indeed empty vessels, unable as a glove to do much, but we need your filling, we need your power to work through your living word to bring life and hope in a time of darkness and lies, to bring truth, to bring encouragement, where there is despair, and Lord, to lift up our eyes and to where our help comes from, from you and from above. Father, we pray that you could speak to each one of our hearts, and Lord, you know that the needs, there are those who are struggling, those who are dealing with loss, who are dealing with overwhelming challenges, those who are struggling to know you and feel like 
They're making no headway and need your grace to, to break through. Those who are struggling with illness and old age and isolation and whatever Satan is using to divide us and separate us, we pray for your power to break these barriers down that our love for each other could overcome any barrier and that you would be able to bring light and encouragement to each heart. Father, we pray for your name to be glorified, thereby in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to uh, reread a section of scripture I, I read not that long ago from 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1. I, I, I felt there was a lot more that the Lord wanted to speak through that, and um, in my weakness, I was unable to bring that out. So let's look at it again. Um, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in the second half. Um, perhaps we can start reading from verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting to read from verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world. The things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things which are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined to know not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
there is much temptation to focus on presentation. The, and, and Paul is saying when he came to the Corinthians, he was well aware of the sophistication, the intellectual capacity. He was very well read and he could have come to them, you know, quoting and, you know, uh, demonstrating his deep knowledge and, and uh, intellectual uh, agility. But that's not how he came to them. He didn't come to impress them with words, with excellency of speech. And in fact, God, has, God's strategy to save the world is totally counterintuitive. Because people in their intellectual um, Wisdom, he says that through the wisdom of men, we have kind of, uh, for after the w world by wisdom knew not God, and, and, and Romans 1 kind of spells it out how, even though it was obvious, God is obvious, we come up with all kinds of intellectual excuses. The smarter we are, the more impressive the excuses we can come up with to try to get rid of the one who we have to answer to. And so God has come up with something dead simple very clear it is the cross of christ it is the gospel and it is in humbling ourselves before that cross that there is hope and power to save i uh, was just reflecting that there's there's three different people that have come to this church not from, you know, a, a not raised in the church, not uh, from this church background. And I was just reflecting on their first impressions when they, when they came here. Um, and in, in all three cases, they were not impressed necessarily, definitely not with the, 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 the polishness of the sermons or, or the, you know, the flawlessness of the program. It was, it was the everyday person in the pew who had a fear of God, who had a humility, who had a, a, a reverence not only for God, but even for each other, that there was a love there. There was a, a, um, there was a power of God that was in contrast to where you might go to a club where there will be a much better program and entertainment, but there isn't going to be a commitment to each other. There isn't going to be um, God's power and God being central. And, and God is honored not by, you know, these, these gifts. So I, I'm also remembering... I probably shared, you know, going to, um, I went to a, a foundation meeting. It was probably a few decades ago. And I was just, just bothered me what was being said. Because, you know, the, 
you know, it was being said that, oh, look, you know, we have all this talent. We have people here with degrees and who are, you know, have all these, this, 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 uh, these credentials, you know, so we, we are a very capable organization. And I felt that this lost sight of where our power comes from, it lost sight of, of, of what we're about and, and what God's priority is. And even maybe to be a bit sobering here, you know, some of the, the people I was telling you that were giving me this outside perspective on our church as they have entered it, you know, without preconceptions and maybe observe it a few decades later that, you know, we need to be aware that here, you know, we also don't lose sight of the core of where the power comes from and we don't get distracted by what we can do. In this passage, God says his strategy, counterintuitively, is to use the weakness of men to overthrow the strong, to use the foolishness of preaching, the foolish to confound the wise. He's, he, he's going to use things that are despised and looked down on to topple man's glorious cultural, political, economic achievements. The, the, the very things that we find our strength in, God is targeting to take down. And the very things that we look down on, God use, is planning to use uh, and to lift up. And, and then we get this, this principle here that no flesh should glory in his presence. When we think we, and, and, and it's in the scripture, right? He that thinketh he standed, take heed lest he fall. Let's look at the pattern of scripture. What God has done, not just in the New Testament, but throughout. You look back at Moses, Exodus chapter 4. Right? Exodus chapter 3, God lays out his plan to rescue his people. They're trapped by a political, economic superpower unrivaled in the world. The Egyptian, uh, you know, to this day, we look back at their achievements and, 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 and we marvel at how they actually accomplished this. They were a superpower and they had enslaved the Jewish people, right? They were, they had no a chance to, you know, rise up. And God says, Moses, I'm going to take you and use you to bring them out. And, and by the way, there's going to be lots of problems. He's not going to listen to you. He's going to resist you. He told them up front exactly how it was going to go. But in the end, you know, I'm going to show my power uh, and, and you'll be brought out. And, and Moses is, is there saying, not me, please, anybody else. Moses is saying, I can't do it. And, and, and we, you read me that with that, that's kind of the chapter three, chapter four opens with uh, God says to Moses a very simple question. He says, what's in your hand? You remember that? God said to Moses, what's in your hand? Now, 
if there was a sword in Moses's hand, you know, something that symbolized power, strength, you know, there wasn't. There was a, a, a stick. It was a shepherd's rod because because Moses was now a shepherd. He had been, you know, in line to the Pharaoh, Pharaoh's, you know, daughter's descendant, you know, and had all that, but he had give, he'd lost all of that because he tried in his own strength to free his people and deal with injustice. He was a social justice warrior and it failed. And now he was in the backside of the desert for 40 years learning not to trust in his power but to trust in God's, and it looked like he learned it a bit too well because he wasn't trusting in God's power. He had certainly lost confidence in his own power, which was an important lesson, but God had to teach him the other side about trusting in God's power. So he said, what's in your hand? And it was his staff. It was the rod. Now you all heard about the rod of Moses. You've heard how it did incredible things, how it parted the Red Sea, how it, you know, uh, brought down all these plagues. And of course, you know, right there, God tells him, throw him on the ground and it turns into a snake. And, and God shows that I can use the simple, the base, the foolish things to overcome empires full of gold and, 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 and military might with the stick with what's in your hand. You don't need to have leverage against the cultural forces to be able to stand up and, you know, not be leveled by, you know, all the momentum of all that's going wrong. Yes, there's a lot going wrong in today. But what's in your hand What's in your heart? Where is your confidence? God is not going to give you the victory based on your, anything you can boast about. That's, that's the principle. No flesh should glory in his presence. If there's something, your confidence is in something that gives you credit, it's not gonna work. But what's in your hand? Do you remember the story about Elisha? <clears throat> One of the uh, prophet, sons of the prophets died. Seems to be relevant and left a widow. And the widow was now destitute. She had two sons and the creditors were coming and they're saying, you know, we're gonna take your sons as slaves to pay off your debt. And she's coming to Elijah, you know, my, my, my husband was a God-fearing man, what can I do? You can find the story in 2 Kings chapter 4. And what does Elisha say? What's in your house? Well, all I've got is one little pot of oil. That's it. Okay, that's enough. God can use a stick, a shepherd's rod. He can use a pot of oil. He can use two fishes and five loaves right? Because that's the same thing that happened, right? You know that they're saying, Lord, send them away. We can't feed all these people. And he says, you feed them. How? We don't have enough money. He says, what do you have? Five loaves and two fishes. What do you have? It wasn't 
the rod that overcame the Egyptian empire. It wasn't the pot of oil that paid off all the debt. It wasn't the five loaves and two fishes. It was the God of creation who chooses to work in those who know they are weak. Those who not only know they're weak, but choose to trust in God to supply their weakness. And so when we get to the end of Paul's two letters to the Corinthians, we, we come up the same principle. When I am weak, then I am strong. He starts off and he ends off on this principle. Do you want to experience God's power in your life? Do you want to experience victory do you want to be able to overcome the, the, all the forces arrayed against you that seem overwhelming? What's in your hand? Do you trust in the living God who can even use, if he can use a stick, he can use you. If he can use a couple loaves of bread, he can use you. And he can help you to glorify him, not on you, but on him. And this is the wisdom of God. We are a few people here. We're in a big city. We might feel things are hopeless. Christianity's on the decline. Nobody wants to listen to what I have to say. We are, you know, in the embattled, besieged minority. You should expect that the world will find this to be laughable foolishness. That's the response. Someone was just sharing with me of how they identified with the thief on the cross, that there was something about that that was universal you have jesus and you got two thieves and they're both mocking jesus and that's kind of the natural response when we feel we feel attacked we, we we're, we're when someone comes up to you and they accuse you or we even think that they you know, they have a standard that we fall short of. It's natural to go on the attack, right? You'll see that, you know, if at work, with your spouse, you know, you feel, you feel, you know, that you're being, um, you know, judged. Not that Jesus was actively judging them, but he was a standard they couldn't deny. And so... It felt better to make fun of something than to humble them. But on finally, one of the thieves, one of the thieves humbled themselves, gave up the natural defense mechanisms of, you know, I look, want to look tough even as I'm going down here, although, like, what's the point? You're dying. But one of them finally humbled himself and turned to the Lord and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, humbled himself and, and defended Jesus. And it's when we give up, when we can expect the world to mock because what does it say here? It says 
the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. What's in our hand? What's in our hand? It's far more powerful than the rod of Moses. It is, Christ will come with a rod of iron. It is far more powerful and feeds far more than the five loaves and two fishes. This is the bread from heaven. What's in our hand? We have access to the living God. We have access to the power of God for salvation. Let's throw off the fear which dampens and kills our joy and makes us on the defensive, makes us divided. And let's trust in the living God who can use and delights to use us when we acknowledge our weakness. And that is accessible to each and every one of us. Brother, please choose a closing hymn. number 790 from the gospel hymns.
brother, please lead us in prayer. Oh dear Heavenly Father, indeed thou only worthy to worship like this on our knees because thou art truly only God. And we heard this uh, afternoon hour, dear Heavenly Father, thy wisdom and directions uh, to our life. We ask the dear Heavenly Father to open our eyes to the tremendous opportunities that are around us. If we trust in thee, if we have true faith, a faith of Moses, a faith of prophets, a, a faith of a poor widow that had little at their disposal, and yet again through them, and through that little thou have made miracles, made thousands believe. You fed the multitude with two loaves and, and fish. Dear Heavenly Father, to thee everything is possible. Yet again, you expect from us that small act of faith, the obedience, to trust thy word, to trust thy guidance, to trust the future that thou opening for us. May we be encouraged with these uh, words that we heard this afternoon hour, dear Heavenly Father. Uh, may we uh, proceed in that direction with boldness. We also are mindful of uh, those that are not with us this afternoon, that are uh, in illness, at hospital beds, and other weaknesses shut in or in prisons. We don't know. Dear Holy Father, thou knowest everything. We ask thee to please bless them and visit them and give them strength to see thee another day and uh, be faithful servants that are going uh, through that narrow day. Um, path like we are doing, dear Heavenly Father, until the heavenly rest that's promised to thy saints. There are many petitions we want to bring to thee. There are many prayers. There are many needs, dear Heavenly Father, to our people here, or our church, or our brethren that are throughout the world. Visit all of them. Be mindful of all of them and be with us and stay with us. That's what we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Faith versus doubts. Faith sees the obstacles, doubt sees the way. Imagine that widow. I think we can relate to her. Each of us has had a debt and we cannot repay, a debt that leads to slavery. Now she's asked to do something. She comes, she, she doesn't passively wait. She seeks 
God's help? She asks, as Jesus tells you, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open. The advice she's given, though, doesn't make much sense. It's not, you know, here, let me, you know, lend this money to you or whatever. It's, it's go and borrow empty vessels. Go to all your neighbors. Expose yourself to the risk of more ridicule, of more debt, and borrow empty vessels from them, empty containers. And to the degree, to the degree, she had the faith to become a laughingstock and embarrass herself and, and, and to follow God's request of her that's the degree she had blessings. We know there was another case in the Old Testament where, where um, the, the king uh, you know, the, sent for the prophet and said, I'm dying. And <clears throat> no, 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 it was the other way around. He went and, and he said, strike the ground you know, uh, you know, with these arrows. And he, he kind of did half-hearted. He only did it a couple times. And, he, and, and the prophet was upset with him. If you had, you know, taken me at your word, if you had really gone to town here, you would have defeated the enemy. But now you're only going to win once or twice based on how many, your little faith. But this widow, she had the faith. She went out and she borrowed. And, and then the prophet said, now pour that oil into each of those containers. And it wasn't until the very last container the son brought her that the oil was able to last. It, it, our level of blessing, the overflowing of God's presence and power and, and overcoming and dispelling of our challenge, it, it depends on our faith. How much, how far are we going out on a limb in trusting God? How much do we play it safe and trust in our strength and the things that we can take credit for? God is able to help us to do and to overcome even the debt of sin, even the slavery of sin, even the challenges that we face. All we need to do is trust and obey. And the, the, the limit is really our, our, our faith. Let's choose to trust him and experience those blessings. With that, we conclude this afternoon's service.